Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This week's episode of the Platinum Sabero Podcast is brought to you by the TPS Highway Safety Initiative. This holiday season, there are sure to be a lot of morons driving drunk. We urge you not to be one of them. We also urge you to buckle up so you don't get f***ed up. plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight, I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch. Here it is. One. Fly ball deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes! 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 now get ready this is the platinum sombrero podcast with your host dylan short and adam doc herbert everybody welcome to the platinum sombrero brought to you by armchair all americans joined as always by my partner in crime the newest rebel without a cause but kind of with a cause now thanks to twitter doc we're going to interrupt our daily scheduled programming to let you weave a web of a story that explains how you are on par with a russian spy yeah, I, uh, there, there's a whole lot of interesting moving parts going on with this. Uh, before we get to that, though, I just wanted to uh, say thank you to the new and improved Armchair All-Americans who support the Platinum Sombrero, uh, as well as our sponsors over at Blue Chew. Uh, you know, we all kind of talk a big game, but the, the older we get, the more difficult it becomes to, like, actually live up to it, you know? So, guys, if you want to increase your performance, get that extra boost of confidence in bed, that extra spring in your step, which could put a spring in her step as well, you got to try Blue Chew, blue as in the color. The ingredients are FDA approved. You know it's legit. Plus, it's chewable, so it works twice as fast as a pill. You can be ready whenever she's ready. They're going to deliver this to your doorstep in a discreet package, so this can be your little secret. Nobody's got to know about it. Not your mailman, not your neighbors, not even your lady friend. If you visit BlueChew.com, use our promo code ARMCHAIR, you get your first order for free. Just pay $5 for the shipping. Again, that's B L. UEChew.com. You should know how to spell chew by now. Promo code armchair. You get to try it for the cost of only shipping. Blue Chew will help you rise to the occasion, both literally and figuratively. It's not difficult, but it can be hard. Chew it and do it. That's bluechew.com. <laughs> well done, sir. 
Thank you. Did I do? Did I do better than last time? I didn't laugh during it. I'm laughing now. Well but, uh, done. Very impressive. Oh, uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been a pretty interesting week as far as uh, as far as the whole Twitter thing goes. Like on on Thursday afternoon, I logged in. I had tweeted something from the Platinum Zombrero account about Johan Camargo, who is absolutely crushing it right now in Gwinnett, which is great to see. And I went to go retweet it from the doc account. And when I turned the, tried to turn the button green, it said uh, that I was not authorized to perform the function. And I thought, oh, well, that's, that's kind of bizarre. So I tried it again, and it told me the same thing. So I kind of raised an eyebrow and like, oh, well, maybe uh, I don't even know what's going on. I'll, maybe, maybe something's broken here. And tried, um, tried to like something else, and it wouldn't let me do that. And I just... Next thing you know, I just I had zero followers and and I was told that I wasn't following anybody. And I'm like, I I don't know what's going on here. And I started to think I got reported by somebody. And uh, I mean, maybe 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 that is what happened. But I actually had the more I think about it, I think the Twitter thinks I'm a bot. I think that they actually they looked at and they, they saw that I was retweeting TPS so many times that they actually thought that I was a fake person who just happened to have, you know, 20,000 tweets of actual human thought. So I don't know. I've the Braves Herbert account and all 3,340 followers is now just kind of floating around in the cloud. Doesn't exist anymore. And so now anyone who was following me before I can be found at, at Braves doc, uh, on Twitter. So, uh, what a nightmare, dude. I've had that account for almost eight years. I worked so hard to build that following. Never let it, it be does, said that it's harmless self-promotion. Well, I mean, and the thing is, like, it doesn't actually matter. It's all just a vanity type thing. But I'm still like, dude, I've had that account since I was in college. Now, granted, you know, I was in college way later than I, than I should have been. But, like, man, come on. So... It's unbelievable so, yeah. how, how how Twitter could make the colossal mistake of banning Doc and then not responding to any of his emails. Oh, well, that's another thing, too, is that I kept getting like automated prompts where you have to do this and you have to do that. And I'm like, I want to talk to a person. I would really, really like to, to like even settle for somebody. Uh, oh, whatever. <laughs> whatever, man. Uh, I could not I could not believe that that happened. I could not believe that they thought you were a bot. Kind of par well, for the will, course. I, I will say this. It was, it was nice. Um, like when I, when I opened up the new account, then it was like, I got everybody uh, jumped back on. Like the new accounts already got 700 followers. So not everybody jumped back on, but a, a lot of people did. And, and that gave me a very uh, warm and fuzzy feeling. So thanks everybody. <laughs> yeah. He's had it for two days. He's about to pass my numbers already. So um, thanks everybody. <laughs> but uh, you know. speaking of warm fuzzy feelings the Braves gave everybody a nice warm fuzzy feeling when they went on to win 8 straight unfortunately that 8 straight did not go to 9 and it certainly did not go to 10 as the past 2 days uh, the Braves have kind of ridden that struggle bus a little bit, the offense is in all sorts of a funk as a matter of fact they have been for a while if you go back to the last 10 games remember there are 8-2 and two in these last 10 games bear that thought in mind but the last 10 games, they're only hitting 199. Uh, they do have 11 homers, which kind of explains that 8-2 and two record. Luckily, for some reason, the Nationals, who have played so well the entire second half without being able to catch a game on the Braves, 
they've been losing whenever the Braves lose. So the magic number is actually still 25. And for Mike Soroka, it's it's been since like the middle of July since he's won a start. He's uh his last eight starts, he's 0 for two with a two eight four ERA and a three six FIP or three five six FIP. I'm sorry, leads the leads the majors in homers per nine. And Ronald Acuna, since the benching, which I was told was going to set him straight and turn him around and make him even better, his last eleven games, he's got a one eighty six average with one homer and seventeen strikeouts. Um, kind of amazing that you've gone eight and two with those numbers. It really is. It's it's such a testament to the pitching. You know, the the, the offense, like you can you can look at this and and you can always say like the the top the top four batters in the order they they make up for the for a shoddy bottom half of the order. But truthfully, it's Acuna, Albies, Freeman, and Donaldson that have been struggling. And it's been like Hechevarria and Cervelli and even Billy Hamilton. I think he got, he got on base four times in that game against Toronto. Uh, you know, all of the, the new guys have been contributing while while the big boppers have been just kind of not complacent. There's been there's been some bad luck in there. There last night's game in Toronto, we're recording this on Wednesday. Uh, that game was really frustrating. It was like hitting rockets right at guys. You know what I mean? And in Colorado, there were a couple that were just barely, barely missed. Like Dansby almost hit two home runs that day. So it hasn't all been horrible, but there's you're starting to see some fatigue in there. And and granted, this is this is where the whole thing about Snicker gets a little tricky because the fact that he is a player's manager and players players want to play, even even if they tell you even if they're tired, they still want to go out there. But look at somebody like Ozzy. Ozzy's leading baseball in innings played, and it's finally starting to catch up with him. He has avoided a, a, an extended cold streak a much better than he did last year. Like he hit, he hit the cold streak in like late May last year, if it was even that late. And then he wrote it out for the rest of the year. Now he's only in the past 15 games or so really started to taper off. And, you know, Acuna, like you said, after the benching, maybe it didn't turn him into a superhuman. And, and there's just been a couple things here and there, but, even for the depth that there is right now, like Col- even if Culberson's not performing well as a starter and you never want to take Acuna out of the lineup, you almost have to consider it at some point just because like it's more beneficial to give him the day off. And I, and I know that with NCR day being out, Acuna is the only true center fielder, but or at least he was until, until Hamilton showed up. But I don't know. It's, it's weird. What, what are your thoughts on this, man? Like is anything going to change in September when rosters expand? I mean, I don't know if you guys remember this, but I did write a piece about this in like April detailing this exact this exact worry. It might have been May even when I did it, but I did it in the first half uh, about Snicker not giving guys days off and the like the fact that, you know, it's cool to win a lot of games early in the season, but once you get towards the end of the year, it has big time effects. And again, you're seeing it with Ozzy, you're seeing it with Ronald, you're seeing it with Freddie. These guys just aren't. You're even seeing him with Donaldson, who early in the season the Braves were pretty were making a pretty concerted effort to give him a day off, like a scheduled day off, just to get him off of his feet. And I don't think they've done that for wow, what like two months, three months? It's pretty been long. much ever since the the Musgrove incident. Right. JD has been written in pen in that that four spot. And you know it, it, it's nice because you want those guys in the lineup because they are such good players. But this is where you kind of have to play the long game, and. When rosters expand, you know, you'll probably see Camargo come back up. We'll talk about him in, in a little bit. 
Um, but if you're talking about just full on reinforcements, like there's not really there's not really anybody that's going to come up from the minor leagues position player wise that's anything better than what you've got right now. You just have to make a concerted effort to actually get these guys some rest. And this series with Toronto is a prime example. And you had a chance last night to sit one of your big guys, whether it be Freddie or Donaldson, without losing their bat by letting them DH. And instead, Snicker rolled with Matt Joyce as the DH, which doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I really kind of don't get that one. I mean, I, I like Matt Joyce just fine, I, and I I have no issue with with him back. I would have been fine with Matt Joyce in the field, but like you had an easy chance for Donaldson or Freddie to to get off their legs for the most part and just hit. Sure, and and I don't know what the what the level of experience is for for Joyce over at first, or if you even feel comfortable having Culberson play play over there. Of uh, what exactly you do in that scenario. But uh, but yeah, man, that's uh, that's kind of a strange one. And the the whole thing about you know Billy Hamilton is not going to wind up getting any at bats. Well, that's that's over all of a sudden, um, you know. And oh god, and I, I never want to talk bad about Snit. One of the few bad reviews we ever got on iTunes was because we apparently were bashing Snit too much. So I'm not <laughs> I'm not trying to drill that point home. But uh, but yeah, it's just it's just kind of strange. And and once once the rosters expand, and, and I think you've got you can bring back. Camargo, you can bring back Duvall, you can uh, you can get Riley, you can um, you get Markakis back eventually. I think that hopefully that'll start to to lessen it a little bit. And because if anything, if these guys are slumping now, it sucks. But you would rather have the opportunity to to rotate once the division gets a little bit closer to locked up. And last year they clinched on, I think, September 22nd. And for all of the head-to-head matchups they have with the Nationals coming up here, as long as things go all right, then then it could be ideally sooner than that. You get guys a little bit more rest leading into the playoffs, which are going to start like as soon as it turns over into October. So we'll see. And, and like I said, there's I'm almost a little bit encouraged by the fact that they were still hitting some rockets off of guys. The strikeouts are mounting. That game against the Mets, where they struck out 26 times. I know it was a 14 inning game, but that's that's ugly. That's like that's an actual record for a team that won a game. You, there's no reason to be striking out 27 or 26 times in a game. So I'm pretty sure they struck uh, out like 21 times before it even went into extra innings. Yeah, I mean. Granted, half of those were against Jacob Degrom, and he's struck out like seven in a row at one point. It's if you get dominated by Degrom, you're not the first team to have that happen. But still, uh, for a team that sustains so well uh, offensively for for a lot of the season, this is a point that that Boggy brought up is that that none of the three main components of this team—the offense, the pitching, and the bullpen—like they're never clicking on all cylinders at the same time. Like the bullpen has obviously had its issues, but they just wound up setting an Atlanta era record for the most consecutive scoreless innings. And the rotation is the biggest reason why they've won eight out of the last 10. And even with the offense struggling, but you know what this offense can be. And you still just kind of roll the dice and say, maybe it'll be October when all of these things start clicking at once. This team has a, has a real commitment to playing to its level of competition. So, which explains why they lost to Colorado, why they lost to Toronto yesterday, and why it also petrifies you that they're playing the White Sox this weekend. I also think travel has a lot to do with it. When you're talking about you were supposed to have an off day when you ended up having to fly to Colorado to make up a game that 
baseball stupidly scheduled in Colorado in April. Um, you, you had to take away one of those precious August days off and had to go there. You end up losing that game and immediately have to fly to Toronto to play a two-game set with Toronto, which seems really late in the year, by the way, for some interleague play. Um, a lot of, lot of plane travel, a lot of getting used to uh, the bodies having to get used to the flights, and they do look tired. And I, I gave you the stats on Ronnie, but Freddie looks just as tired. Ozzy's dragging a little bit. It, it, it's one of those things that you kind of got to power through. I'm not really worried or anything. Because it's a 162-game season. These things happen. Your offense isn't going to give you seven runs a night every night. It's just not possible. Um, on the flip side of that coin, this is one of those times where, you know, this is where I keep saying this, but this is where you got to find some time to give some guys a break. If they're that tired, go ahead and give them a break. You've got, you've got enough lead to where you could rest these guys one night. Maybe even roll out one of those Bobby Cox patented, like, getaway day lineups where, like, four main starters are sitting. Just to get them a day, just to get them a breather, and you're you're, you're right. You're playing Chicago this weekend. I should feel good about playing the White Sox because they suck. But right now, this Braves team kind of does play to the level of who they're playing with. They they kind of get up for big games and they kind of have little letdowns when they play small games. Luckily, the starting rotation has been really really solid, pretty much pretty much since August began, and really for most of the second half. And the bullpen really seems to have settled into their roles. It's helped out this offense, which has kind of been struggling for really the last couple weeks. Yeah, the notable exception to the, to the playing to the competition thing is, uh, is whenever they play the Marlins. But if you look at the numbers for Acuna, Albies, Soroka, and Tehran, I mean, that in itself, that just totally, um, that totally skews the numbers. But yeah, I mean, the, the Rockies are, the Rockies ain't great. The, the Blue Jays aren't great. The, the White Sox are 60 and 71. I think that the, with the interleague play stuff, um, it gets a little trickier when you're dealing with guys that you've never seen before. It almost would make me feel better for for them to see somebody like Lucas Giolito, who's having a killer year, because that's the type of pitching that they're going to wind up seeing in the playoffs. And and see, you know, they we we the Braves beat DeGrom this past weekend. That's the type of guy that you're going to wind up seeing in a game one. They were able to hang with him. I was very proud of Fulty for going basically neck and neck with DeGrom that whole game. Um, but, but playing a team like, like the White Sox, I'm not so much worried about the White Sox offense, even though they have some, some legit pieces over there. It's the, it's the pitching. There's no reason for the Braves to have lost to Tim Melville, who was making his second start this year. Uh, and who was essentially a, a journeyman for for his entire career you know they don't they don't have the familiarity they don't have the the tape on these guys which talked about it with austin riley we talked about it with all the young guys that came up and it's like oh they're dominating because they don't know how to pitch these guys or, or something like that it's the same thing they don't they don't know exactly the movement on this guy's pitches it's weird because he's he's pitching in like a an unfriendly zone for the velocities and everything so it's weird for an, an offense that we have seen be just absolutely wonderful um they're, they are struggling. But I think that once you start looking at the pieces, you're going to get back. Because now you're essentially just running a platoon. For a while, you, you were doing uh, Ortega and Joyce against lefties and Duvall and Culberson against righties. But Culberson's not starting when he hits. Duvall is in Gwinnett right now. I think getting back Riley, who could benefit from the time off. And Marquecas, who is apparently ahead of schedule and could wind up getting in games within the next couple of weeks. And then you can go back to writing these names in pen and the lineup card and not having to have guys that are 
kind of seeing time, but not maybe not enough. And I love Billy Hamilton's defense. I love watching him play, and he's just having the best time. But there's really no reason for him to actively be starting games right now. They, they need to, to get back to being able to have like the same same eight or nine consistently. No, and if he's going to start a game, it should be to give Ronald Acuna a day off, not to play in the field with him. Right. Um, but I, I have questions about Marcakis, and this is going to sound like I'm hating on Marcakis as per usual. Um, but I am terrified of when he comes back that Snit's going to put him right into that fifth hitter again role, and he's going to – like the offense had been doing so well. The offense looks a lot better to me anyway when you've got Ozzy batting two. Freddie, Donaldson, then I would put in Dansby, and then Nick or McCann, depending on if whenever McCann gets healthy. Like, there, there's this weird veteran deference that you get to Marcakis, and whether you think it's weird or not, I guess kind of depends on on whether you're an old school or a new school type of, of guy. Um, but it's, it's one of those things I'm, I'm interested to look at. I was a little bit shocked that Dansby didn't move back to the two-hole. I was happy about it because uh, I was kind of worried that, that Snit was going to try to go back to – what they had going before Dansby went injured. Um, I don't know that he can make himself do it to Marcakis. He's got a thing for Nick. I would not be surprised, given given Ozzy's recent struggles, uh, I would not be surprised if there was some type of lineup shakeup like that coming relatively soon. Um, now, granted, Dansby has, has struggled. I mean, it's been two games. You know, it's obviously a very, very tiny sample size. Uh, but I, I don't think that it would be a, a bad thing to, to maybe move Ozzy back down, kind of help refocus him a little bit, because every, everybody's pressing really hard. They're trying to pick each other up. As it pertains to Marcakis, I, I made a statement, I think it was 10 weeks ago, where I referred to him as the perfect right fielder for this team, and which is not to say he's the perfect right fielder, but but he is he does add a lot. And, you know, you can look at the numbers and you can look at the war and everything, the um, the defense drags down the offensive numbers that he's got. And he, he's not an elite player by any means, but like having a guy like that, who's batting fifth, I feel like, I feel like it's a really good thing because you, you have all of the different power threats at the top. And then it's like, you almost feel like you can let off the gas a little bit by the time you get to him, but he's, he is still a professional hitter. It's such a, it's such a cliche. And I know that we always love to, to give people crap when they say that, but it's, but it's true. He, he really, really is. And, uh, for the fact that he's got the broken wrist, it's not like when Freddie Freeman broke his wrist and he got into like that swinging a wet newspaper territory. Those were his, his famous words from the end of the 2017 season. Then that becomes really notable because he's a guy that thrives off home runs and doubles. Well, Marquez thrives off of a lot of doubles, but most at this point, like a lot of it really comes from singles. You're not sacrificing a lot of home runs from him. Like he, he's going to, hit it over the shortstop's head like Freddie does. He's going to just get on base and kind of be a pest in that way. And uh, and when you get to be Nick's age, which I can say this because I'm I'm older than Nick is, then you worry about his legs wearing out at this point in the season. And the good thing is, like, he's got a, a humongous track record of being a good hitter to be in that spot or a good enough hitter to be in that spot. But you worry about the fact that he's going to wind up um, – having five or six consecutive months of being in that spot and slowing down. Well, he's not going to, he's not, hasn't been doing baseball activities for the last month. So I think that this, there could be like a good rejuvenation for him once he steps back in there. Maybe I just, I, I don't know. I'm just very leery about, about, 
kind of messing with things. I like the fact that you've got five in a row potential guys who could take you deep. It's really hard on, on opposing pitchers, especially early in a game, because normally that first inning is that one where pitchers are kind of relying on it to go well because that first inning tends to really influence the, the rest of a pitcher's outing. And, you know, you, you make some compelling points about he makes a lot of contact, he's a consummate professional, but we do need to be honest, he has not played well this season. He has not been an above-average player. He's not even been an average player. He's been a below-replacement-level type of player, or a replacement-level player at least, this entire season, even before the injury, and it's because his defense is atrocious. And I think one of the things that has really helped this team has been Acuna in right field. He threw out two more runners yesterday. And Acuna in right field with that laser cannon attached to his arm, it's just a different dynamic, and I'm not looking forward to seeing him relegated to left field again. That that's a really important thing to note too about the extraction of value from the tools. And God, that this this is a point I've made a bunch of times. Like, yeah, he is struggling at the plate. There's no doubt about it. He's pressing. He's trying to do too much, and uh, the the benching really kind of did a bit of a number on him. But because he's fast and because he's got that arm, and he he's taken to right field way better than I thought he was going to. And he's throwing seeds from right and perfectly placed, too. So even if he's struggling offensively, you're still getting a lot out of the defense from him. And, yeah, I mean, when you look at this is one of the where the uh, we're looking at war versus looking at like WRC plus or something like that. Um, War is more reflective of the, the overall game in WRC plus is uh, directly correlated with the offense. He's Marquez has been fine on offense. And he actually had the fact that he broke his wrist when he did um, probably saved him from, from a little bit longer skid because he was doing really well for the first two and a half months or so, but for the probably four or five weeks leading up to when he, when his wrist got fractured, then he was starting to struggle a little bit. He's starting to backslide. And uh, I, I think him, you can't really argue with the fact that having having him in the lineup is well, you probably could, but to, to me, you know, I, I like the idea of him coming back because because he, he is solid. You you know what you're going to get out of him, even if it's even if it's exactly what it is and it's not flashy and it's not super special. You know what you're going to get from him most times. I mean, it's better than having Ortega in the lineup every day or something like that. I understand that portion. The question is then when Ender comes back and. Once you get to September, you know Austin Riley's coming back. He's on his way back up now. He's in Gwinnett. So it's only a matter of time till he's back up. Johan Camargo has been absolutely raking in Gwinnett, so you know he's on his way back. These spots are going to start coming at a premium, and if Snickers not going to be willing to actually give guys breaks and stuff, I, I kind of I do kind of wonder a little bit about how this team is going to shake out. Now that's not to mention that's not to talk about any of these guys that we think might be potential roster moves. Just just talking about Ender and Riley and Camargo. Those are three guys there, and Camargo has a lot to prove, by the way, if he's going to find himself not just on this playoff roster but back up on the big league roster this year at all anyway. He's got a lot to prove to to show that he really does have his timing back and that he's fixed some of the body language that was going on because he was just all sorts of messed up. But for Austin Riley, what are you going to do with Austin Riley when he comes back up? I would assume he's going to step into left field. I think – the question now becomes Ender. Do we think Ender actually comes back this year? If we're lucky. You know, it's been two two weeks 
or so. Yeah, it, it was against the Dodgers. So it's been two weeks, and you know I'll never say a bad word about Ender again. Seeing him hobble around the bases and still be able to score, and it, that was such a shame, man, because he he had been that's the best he has played in a Braves uniform is is ever since he got activated and came back. And you you could see it on his face that he he knew at the time like I'm out, I'm out for a while, and I and I've never played this well before. I don't think we would have gone out and got Billy Hamilton if Ender was realistically going to wind up coming back. Because when you've got, you were talking about the deferring to the veterans and I, I still have to think that Marcakis would get the treatment over Enciarte and you wind up putting Riley in left if he's hot. Um, and with, with Enciarte filling that Hamilton role off of the bench more often than not in a, uh, in a playoff scenario, but, but his biggest weapon anymore it's it's his legs and his defense, which is just so happens to be the exact same reason why you've got Billy Hamilton. There's no guarantee that Ender was going to be able to continue hitting the way that he had. So I think that that was a very smart move going out and getting Hamilton to fill that role. But I, I think that, that that really says that they don't think that Ender is going to wind up making it back this year, which, like I said, that's a shame. We really haven't really heard is. anything from him. Like he's been kind of like it's been kind of radio silence on Ender for like the past week and a half. Yeah, which. And and I guess you know Marquez he was present. I mean he was he was out in the bullpen. He wasn't in the dugout with everybody, um, which is kind of classic where he's just out stoically like staring longingly into the field and not actually interacting with people. Um, and Ender like you're not seeing like shots of him in the dugout like you know horseplay with the teammates or anything like that. I mean it's it's kind of weird. He he could be. He could just be on the shelf for the rest of the year. Maybe um, by the time they wind up getting to the playoffs, maybe it's deep enough at that point. Uh, maybe not the NLBS, maybe the NLCS, if the Braves can make it that far. And if he's really out for, for the rest of the season, um, everybody and their brother knows that the Braves have two exquisite minor league outfielders that are absolutely raking, one of whom just won an MVP at 20 years old, talking about Drew Waters. Actually, actually both of them are 20 years old. That it's still always wild to me to to realize that Drew Waters is actually older than Christian Pache uh, by like a couple months, but Drew Waters being able to win MVP uh, in the Southern League despite not playing there for for more than what a month and month and a half maybe um, Pache starting to come around a little bit too. The questions to me: Oh, hey, are these guys going to be you know considerations for call ups when rosters expand? Um, I tend to say no. Pache, maybe, maybe, because you have to put him on the 40-man roster. Waters, I think we could both say no. Yeah, I, I just can't see any any reason why why they, they bring him up. Even, yeah, he won the Southern League MVP at 20 years old, but you dig a little deeper on his numbers. You know, he's, he's sustaining a, a 481 BABIP right now, which league average is 300, and he's striking out in 35% of his plate appearances. Ceiling is sky high. He's there's no reason to call him up, and and I'm Pache would be interesting too, but I think that considering Riley's coming back and Marquez is coming back and Duvall, I would imagine is coming back. The next thing you know, you've got like eight outfielders on on the bench. So um, I, I can't imagine that Pache is coming up. I would agree. I would tend to agree. I don't think he's coming up. I think he would have a better shot uh, than Ian Anderson or Drew Waters. Because uh, I don't think Anderson's coming up either. He's done well in a few starts. He's also struggled in a few 
Uh, you can kind of see that he does still have things to work on in AAA. Now, granted, the AAA ball has been getting mashed up by everybody, but there's also kind of a long list of other guys who are probably much more likely to come up. Guys like Camargo, who we talked about, who's hitting over 500 in Gwinnett. Uh, we talked about Riley, talked about Duvall, who's going to get back up here in September. But then you dig into some of the other guys, guys like Patrick Weigel, I would imagine, uh, Jeremy Walker, uh, Waskari Noah, who's actually pitching tonight. Uh, th- there's a lot of names there, including one that I'm still not certain he's actually real, like Darren O'Day. He actually threw an inning in the GCL, and now he's moved up to Gwinnett, I believe. Like, I'm still not certain he's. I'm not. I I won't believe that it's actually Darren O'Day until somebody like takes a like a blood sample from him and I can see it with my own eyes that it's actually Darren O'Day. But if he comes up, that's another name that the Braves would absolutely have to bring up just just for the optics alone. Right. I mean, you you watch. You mark my words. Darren O'Day is going to wind up getting high leverage innings in the playoffs, and there's still going to be people that are like, "Who in the hell is Darren O'Day?" He's like. It's basically just Dion Toscano in costume. I mean, he. It's so weird. Like this whole saga about people were were mad about, you know, it was um, hamstring injury. Then it was either shoulder or Tommy. Jo- He's been injured for so long. I don't even remember why he was hurt. But it was the forearm. Yeah, it was forearm tightness. Forearm. That's that's right. That's right. And uh, and so yeah, he pitched in Florida last night. He replaced Freddie Tarnock in a game, which I never. Darren O'Day replaces Freddie Tarnock was not a sentence I ever thought that I would I would see uh, on the, the MLB first pitch app. But uh, but yeah, I mean he's he's a, a vet and he's crafty. He's been able to, to carve out a pretty long career for himself. He was healthy for for the most part up until you know just before, just before he got traded here. So yeah, he'll he'll be up, you know, and he's he's a fresh arm. That and that's the important thing too. Uh, I, w- I was talking about this earlier today. Like, you look at somebody like Keuchel, it's easy to forget that Keuchel's only been pitching for two and a half months now. Like, he's basically, he's in mid-June as far as innings go. So he's a fresh arm. You look past that Marlins start where he just got shillelaid. He got killed in that start against the Marlins. But he's actually pitched really, really well, pitched great against the Mets uh, this this past Sunday. So, He's he's the freshest arm the Braves are going to have going into the playoffs, especially when you look at Soroka and Freed that are already past their career highs in innings. So a guy like O'Day, for the same reason that Keuchel is such a weapon, is like he's not going to be just running on fumes into the playoffs. I can see a real scenario where O'Day is getting important time, and I I would not count out Bryce Wilson as being in this being in this whole puzzle as well because he his past six. Five, six starts in Gwinnett. I know it's Gwinnett, and it's not MLB, and he's struggling in MLB. But, man, he's a bullpen weapon. It'd be nice to see him get used that way, and you start talking about Kyle Wright, who, who's had some good outings as well, although he seems to get worse as the game goes along. Uh, Tukey, this is, we're just going to have to chalk this up to a lost year for Tukey. He's been kind of abysmal pretty much all year, no matter what level he's been at. Um, but Tucker Davidson's the other name. Like I'm not going to count out Tucker Davidson. I think the Braves have real plans for him, and I think Tucker finds himself on this big league club uh, and could find a way into playing meaningful postseason innings should he be called upon, especially if Nuke is starting to actually kind of wear down a little bit and get tired. Tucker Davidson would be a kind of a, a, a logical guy to step up into Nukem's innings. And I'm not saying that Jerry Blevins is, is any anywhere near the um, – Sean Newcomb's present level of talent, 
But when Newcomb is like the only lefty out there that's getting any innings, I literally don't remember the last time Jerry Blevins pitched. Well, he pitched you know, yesterday and, and gave up a home run. Oh, yeah. Maybe that's why he's not pitching. <laughs> that's course. <laughs> yeah, you know, he gave up the game winner. But, but you know what I'm saying? Where it's like, he'll, I think that I, I had heard the stat that he had gone like 10 days between appearances or something. And, and there don't really seem to be a lot of lefty options that are, I mean, you've got Blevins, you've got Newcomb, you can call up A.J. Minter. Uh, who, no, thank you. Right. So, and you look at Tucker Davidson, and he's in the same boat as Pache, where it's like, well, he's got to wind up going on the 40 this coming offseason anyway. So, um, he's done. He's done pretty well for himself. Big body, just a big old dude. So, he can absorb some innings, or if you need him to come in and just pitch two or three, I can see it. I, that's a good call. I think it would work out on a few levels. The Braves definitely need some lefties, and they don't exactly have a bunch of lefty relievers on hand because there ain't no way I would be trusting A.J. Minter to give me anything this year or next year, really. Um, Chad Sabatka, I haven't even, to my chagrin, I haven't even really checked on him lately. I'm about to actually check that right now to see if he's still continuing his good work in Gwinnett. But the bullpen is so righty-heavy that you got to figure anybody that's left-handed has – you know, a, a, an easier opportunity, an easier pathway to innings. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. And, and Newcomb was so great at first, and he, you're starting to see the cracks around him. And whether it's from, from overuse or some, something, is, something non-baseball related is going on, whatever the case may be, his recent numbers are really, really skewing the way he's looked. That, that's uh, appearance against the Dodgers where he gave up the home runs. I guess it was Muncie and Turner. That went back to back. He gave up a home run to Justin Smoke last night. I mean, he's just, and he's not really a guy that gives up a ton of home runs. So that's how you can see that his his stuff isn't as sharp. It's not biting like it like it was earlier in the season. So even if even if Minter does come up and and underperforms, if he can at least buy Newcomb some time, I'm okay with that. There's a, there's a function to AJ Minter getting his ass kicked up here, and and it's just to let Sean Newcomb breathe a little bit. Uh, maybe, or or just don't have A.J. Minter come at all and just let Tucker Davidson come up and do the same thing. Uh, other real quick, real quick, before we get out of here for our first break and, and introduce you to one of our favorite guests, um, AFL rosters released today. Doc, we hit on 50%. I'm feeling pretty good about that. I, You know, it's uh, – I. I was really hoping that uh, we'd get to, get to see Patrick Weigel out there, but uh, – Actually, ideally, he'll be pitching for the for the big league Braves in uh, in September. It was right about uh, Trey Harris, um, Grayson Genesta, Daisbel Hernandez, Rob. Yeah, you're welcome. I've been I've been telling y'all. I've been trying to tell you, and uh, and Brandon White, who I was I think I was the most surprised that I was right about him uh, being on the on the taxi squad uh, more than anybody else. Uh, big congratulations. To friend of the program Justin Dean, who uh, who wound up going out of the AFL, and uh, Connor Johnstone, Brad Roney, and Garrison Schwartz, who us are going to be on the taxi squad out there. So Justin Dean had no business being in Rome. Nine homers and forty five steals this year. Uh, good to see Justin's going to get a shot in the AFL. He and Trey going to join each other's teammates again. Yeah, they're they're basically like the Acuna and Albies of the, of the Braves farm system right now. Those two those two dudes are best friends. Yeah, hopefully they hopefully they can do well. That's that's a few names. That's kind of like the the way the Braves have been doing it doing it the past few years. I don't know that there's any like super huge name in that one. Not like there has been like there's no Christian Pache or Drew Waters in there. Um, but it's it's a good collection of talent. It's talent that the Braves are probably going to 
really take a look at and see guys, especially like Trey Harris uh, or Dezbel Hernandez, guys who could actually play a, a, a real role next season. Um, I'm, I'm actually really excited about Dezbel and Trey Harris, but, but guys that could conceivably play at least a bench role next season. You can kind of see where they're at. Trey's been an absolute monster all year, but going to the AFL, he'll he'll face some other really talented players and guys more his own age, and, and we'll see where some of these guys are at. Great story too. Love love seeing the the late late round draftees. Um, Dean was seventeenth round. Uh, Johnstone was I think sixteenth round. Uh, Schwartz was pretty deep in there. Uh, Brandon White was a twelfth rounder. Um, Trey Harris, thirty second round, thirty second I mean, rounder. The, yeah, there's there's room for for these guys and people. Like, oh, why does the draft go so deep? Because there's that much talent, you know. And and then you got Grayson Genesta, who was like the the forty fifth pick or forty fourth pick overall the the year that he got chosen. So there's kind of room for room for everybody out there. And Brad Roney is really cool to see on there too because he he's super super quality reliever type, but he's uh, he's dealt with injuries for the past couple of years. So. Seeing him get some extra time, like his strikeout numbers, up, up, up. He's striking out like twelve or thirteen for nine right now. So that's another one you can't count out the guys that are that are late in the draft. So that also, when you look at this Braves twenty nineteen draft class, um, don't write off the draft class just because you didn't know the name. You know that's important to remember. It's a very good point. Coming up next, we're going to bring on one of our favorite friends and favorite followers, one of our OG Patreon, or one of our OG patrons. We'll introduce you to her coming up next right here on the Platinum Sombrero. This week's episode of the Platinum Sombrero podcast is brought to you by the new bestseller from TPS Publishing, 101 Places to Avoid Before You Die. Join us and discover why you should never consider going to places like Gary, Indiana, Stockton, California, Griffin, Georgia, and why you should avoid the entire state of Nebraska like the plague. This updated edition also includes a full-page layout demonstrating why you should not go to North Dakota in the winter or Tampa, Florida ever for any reason. Our newest masterwork also discusses why you should stay home instead of going to places like the DMV, the airport, the county fair, any buffet-style restaurant, or church on Wednesdays. 101 places to avoid before you die. Patent pending. Welcome back to the Platinum Sombrero, brought to you by MyBookie. MyBookie.ag is our favorite place to go for any and all online gambling needs, whether you're betting on the first weekend of college football. Maybe you lost some money on the Miami-Florida game. That would have been much better if Miami had won, wouldn't it? Maybe you're wanting to bet that Ronald Acuna does manage to eke out 40-40, or Christian Yelich ends up winning an MVP again. I don't know. I don't know what you like to do. Whatever it is that you like to bet, MyBookie.ag is the best place to go. All the best lines, updated figures, Easy and great customer service to answer any and all questions you may have regarding anything to do with the online gambling. Uh, All the prop bets put up pretty much hourly. They are updated all the time. The number one lines. If you have, if you see a line on mybookie.ag, you know it's the most up to date line there is on the internet. And if you use our promo code chair, like chair that you sit in, 
They're going to give you a 100% deposit match up to $1,000 when you sign up for MyBookie using that promo code. Promo code CHAIR, C-H-A-I-R, MyBookie.ag. Play, win, and have a great time. All right. So this is really exciting because we get to introduce you guys to not, not only – one of our OG patrons, uh, actually the second official patron of the Platinum Sombrero, but one of our absolute favorite people to follow on Twitter. Uh, you guys should already be following her. I'm sure you guys are already, but if you're not, you guys are crazy and you need to now. It is the Braves Diva, Tara. Tara, thanks for joining us, girl. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me here at the Platinum Sombrero. What's going on, guys? We're uh, we're glad to uh, to finally get you on. This is this has kind of been in the, the works for a while. So I, I got to know how how does it feel to be uh, part of the get to know a patron segment? Are are you having a good time already? I am. Uh, I I did enjoy uh, when Megan was on. I I enjoyed all of her answers in um, extra innings that you guys did. Uh, I'm kind of worried about the questions that y'all may ask me, but I'm here. Bring it. Bring it on. This is good. Now, see, if you guys aren't familiar with Tara, she t- she tends to keep score uh, every time we do an extra inning segment, and tragically, I feel like she might be a bit biased. I don't think I've won a week in a long time. Um so I'm here to win this week. I'm not here to play around. I'm here to win. But before we get into any and all of that, by the way, big thanks to uh, Dr. Keith Box for joining the ranks of the Platinum Sombrero patrons last week. Really appreciate that. And the rest of you guys can go, if you want to have a chance to come on the Platinum Sombrero and host a segment with Doc and myself, mostly Doc, that's who everybody wants to talk to, really, you can go to patreon.com slash TPS underscore podcast. Right, Doc? That is affirmative. Yes. Uh, you can become a patron at uh, at that uh, URL. Yes, I finally got it right. Or you can just drop us a phone line if you want to listen to a voicemail. We're going to do a, uh, a mailbag segment coming up probably next week. Uh, you can you can drop a line at 678-208-7982 to have your voice heard on the Platinum Sombrero. So before we re- really get into the baseball talk here, uh, Tara, for, for anybody that's unfamiliar with you, you've got one of the coolest uh, entrepreneurial lines in Braves country. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about it? Yes, yeah, so I own BravesDivaPolish.com. It is um, an indie nail polish line, indie being independent, of course, mainstream polish is sort of what you can find when you go to Walmart or Sally Beauty Supply, or Target, or whatever. Those are your big, huge brands. Uh, OPI, CoverGirl, that kind of a thing. Indie Polish is made by women just like me, or men just like me. They're actually uh, male indie brand owners. And when people ask me what I do, I sort of tell them that I make nail polish for baseball babes because it is sort of a baseball-themed line of polish. Um... Some of my polished names <laughs> range from Chipper's ACL to Chick's Big the Long Ball. Uh, Doc? No. Yes. Um, I had a question for you. We'll, we'll, we'll get back to that later. But, um, okay. of course, it's a play, rain delay, you know, just sort of like general sort of baseball things. Uh, 1995 was, of course, a polish that I had at probably one of my favorites because we all know what happened in 1995. 
for Braves fans. So, yes, I own BravesNeilPolish.com, a nail polish, indie nail polish line for baseball babes. Sounds pretty awesome. I'm not an expert on nail polish. Um, we may do a little thing where Tara's going to be at, uh, we might have a little Periscope video going on here relatively soon under the Platinum Sombrero that may actually feature Tara for a little bit in it too. Um, before we get into the nitty gritty, you are a Braves fan from a very, very long way away, are you not? Yes. I live in Michigan now. I've been in Michigan almost 20 years. But I was born and raised in Arkansas, so I did kind of grow up, you know, I was born and raised in the South. And being from Arkansas, you either had uh, the Cardinals, you know, you could root for the Cardinals. Who the hell wants to root for the Cardinals? Not me. Uh, West uh, TBS, the TBS, you know, station, um, for sort of making the Braves America's team, right? You could either have the Cubs on WGN or the Braves on TBS. And I think I made the right choice. TBH. I I actually was uh, before I moved moved to Georgia. I was uh, I used to watch Cubs games on WGN all the time. But of course, this was back when the Cubs were good. You, you know, Ryan Sandberg and Andre Dawson, Mark Grace, those days. Yeah. Matt, Maddox before he came here. But uh, that was also when the Braves sucked. And when you're like seven, you can just pull for the team that's good. You're not like holding out for the end of the rebuild. You know what I mean? So. Um, <laughs> Yes, I do know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I mean that that's a really good point. Like all all of those games that that were wound up being broadcast and just shot all over the country. I mean, everywhere you go, I swear every time that a new player comes to the Braves, it's like, oh yeah, I used to watch the Braves growing up. Well, of course you did. Every, everybody was watching the Braves when they were growing up. It's 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 kind of a shame anymore that um, it's actually not really a shame that anybody can access their favorite team. But being a Braves fan and not being able to just see anywhere you go in the country that the the, the uh, Braves fandom is not quite as plentiful as it used to be. That's true. And I will also say that being in Michigan, I'm not a victim to a lot of blackout issues that I think y'all have to deal with down there. I could be wrong because um, <clears throat> I'm in Tigers country. Boo Tigers, too. Um so yeah, TBS was sort of my gateway, and my mom's best friend was a big Braves fan too. So every time I would go over to her house, she was watching Dale Murphy. I think he was he was her favorite player, and so I sort of just got I don't know, I just fell in love with that team. Um, I did have very brief love affairs with uh, the Mets one year. I don't oh, no. know, I don't know, y'all. I don't know, Dylan. Don't please don't hate me. Oh no. But I was obsessed with Howard Johnson and, like, Greg Jeffries and my – and ironically enough, I lived in Southern California at the time. So I don't know how I became a Mets fan for that one or two – those one or two years. But my walls were covered with posters, Doc Gooden. I have a signed Daryl Strawberry autographed baseball. Um, yeah, I don't know. But the Bra- I always came back to the Braves, and the Braves have been my team for 25 years now, 30 years now. Like nonstop. You should check that Daryl Strawberry autograph for cocaine. <laughs> probably you know the what? Doc Good Gooden poster too. Right. Pretty much right, anything right, from those yeah. Nets teams. They come down there. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were all they were all high in that in that clubhouse. Keith Hernandez, Gary Carter. Come on now. Lenny Dykstra too. Lenny Dykstra is like an actual real deal criminal. Now he's going to fight no, the big no balls. Doubt. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's going to fight that weird bagel dude. I don't that's so weird. I don't know who to root for. Like I I kind of don't want like I there's no winner in this situation. I mean, well, also I guess you sort of, yeah, you just want to root for the media at that point. <laughs> if you're Lenny Dykstra, I mean, it's a smart move. Like you finally found like one person in the world who people might hate more than you. This is true. The fact that the the bagel dude even got famous at all is like it's it's pretty um it's pretty sad. But then again, I look at Dykstra and he used to play for the Mets and then he used to play for the Phillies and it's like that's. Nah, uh, that's two pretty serious strikes against you, man. And I, there's no reason for me to pull for the bagel guy because he's pretty despicable as well. He's like a bald little Joe Pesci running around. But uh, I don't know the celebrity boxing thing. I just I like the celebrity death match, like the uh, the stop motion animation, like the old uh, boxing from MTV in the in like ninety five, ninety six, somewhere around there. I think I was, I was a teenager when that was going on. But uh, like real life celebrities boxing and like. I feel like we should be able to crowdsource like at some type of celebrity boxing tournament where it's like Dick Vitale against Pauly Shore. Now that, that's what I want to see. Yes. Yes. I mean, I, it, it's just kind of weird when like you're famous for getting like slammed by, by a dude in the line because you kind of fronted a little bit. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to. I'm derailing the show as per usual. Uh, so we're going to get back to the Braves here. Tara, luckily you said that you are pretty much a lifelong Braves fan. I'm, we're going to accept you as a lifelong Braves fan, um, even if you did have some disgusting. Well, I mean, technically, I am. Since you had some disgusting affairs with the Mets, uh, we'll we'll leave those in the past for now. Uh, we'll we'll probably bring them up at an at a different time. The same way that uh, that's okay. We like to bring up things all the time. Uh, but what are your thoughts on the season this year? You are for for those that don't know you, uh, you are a very very avid poster on social media. So you wear your emotions on your sleeve. People know kind of exactly how you feel. Where is the Braves diva sitting at this point in the Braves season? Uh, you know what? I can't remember exactly when I tweeted this particular or posted this particular tweet. I want to say about a month ago, um, we were really rolling. Um, it could have even been the end of June-ish because we all know June was like, we were on fire. Fire. And at one point... <laughs> I tweeted that I was the cockiest Braves fan on the planet because my team was amazing, yada, yada, yada. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I predicted that we were going to win the World Series. <laughs> I, I would not put it past me, to be honest. And honestly, I feel the same way as I feel the same way, the same way tonight, today, as I did a month ago. So I'm saying, you know what? I put that out into the Twitterverse. I'm I'm sure if we either don't make it to the World Series or if we lose in the World Series, I'm never going to hear the end of it. I don't care because I am still that cocky bee. I am still that cocky bee. We are winning the World Series. Period. Sounds like you need to go over to mybookie.ag. Uh, I, I love do. The, <laughs> I love the, the optimism. I mean, I, I was I was thinking about this not that, not that long ago, and we kind of touched a little bit on it in the first segment. Like, I wouldn't be surprised – if the Braves made a deep run and, and they could win, they could absolutely win the world series. But at the same time, if they go to the NLDS and they get eliminated there, then I'm like, well, I suppose you could see that coming. It's, it's not a, you know, it's not really my um, ideal outcome, but this it's so June was a very good time. June was a really, really good uh-huh. time. And it's, it's weird to, for me to, to even 
even cast any level of, of negativity on anything after coming off an eight eight game losing streak. I just I might just be trying to protect myself. So I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to look too much into it because I'm like, oh my god, what if we really do win the World Series? Like I'm gonna cry like for real. <laughs> I feel better about it right now than I have really at any point during the season. As soon as we beat the Dodgers in that series, I still think that was big. When And Doc and I have kind of gone back and forth on whether it was important. And I, I think it was the most important series of the year. And I think, uh, I, I think it was most important for the Braves. I don't think it was necessarily super important for the Dodgers. But it was super important for the Braves just to be able to prove to themselves that, yeah, we can beat this team without them having to screw up. Like, we can just be better than those guys. And sure, you didn't face Bueller and you didn't face Kershaw, but you beat up on Hinjin Ryu, who has been the best pitcher the Dodgers have had the last couple of years. You've already beaten up on Bueller a couple times. You pretty much just know Kershaw is going to wreck the Braves because he always wrecks the Braves. But if you can get to Ryu and Bueller, there's no doubt in my mind, if you can keep the Dodgers in the ballpark, the Braves most certainly have the talent to beat that team. So when you start looking at that, then you can start playing the the playoff guessing game of of like who would you rather face and right now it's looking like you're going to face either the Cardinals or the Cubs so if I were to ask the two of you what's your ideal playoff scenario around one for the Braves go ahead Sarah versus either the Cardinals or the Cubs yeah either one of those you know what but it doesn't matter because we are winning the World Series we're going to steamroll <laughs> everybody like what part of that do you not understand Dylan Short Okay, I I respect that, and uh, I like that you're rolling with that. I would prefer that. I would I would prefer straight sweeps all the way through. Wasn't it the Dodgers series where Freddie got zero hits? Yeah, zero for twelve. Zero for twelve. We still beat them. Now, I don't know. I don't know. I I, I was I was shocked. I mean, I'll I'll be honest. I was kind of shocked that we took that series. Um, I was also kind of shocked that we just swept the Mets last weekend um, just because they had been the hottest team in baseball or whatever. But it just goes to show that this team, this sort of, I don't know, patchwork team that we have right now because of all of our injuries and we've had to pick up guys here and plug them in here or whatever, we're still getting the job done. It, it has, It's amazed me. And they have chemistry. Even these brand new guys, look at, Francisco Cervelli, his very first game as a Brave, he's raking, and we're like, what? Who is this guy? What? Get it, Cisco? I think there's it's another Cisco reason why you're looking at Francisco on. Cervelli. Yeah, they're just fun to watch. That and Francisco Cervelli has has greatly added to the Braves' handsomeness meter. Um, he's a very, very good-looking guy. <laughs> you know, he's okay. He's all right. He's no Charlie. He's no Charlie Culberson. But, you know, he's okay. I don't know about that. It's uh, to make the point about Cervelli. I mean, the fact that he came in like, and he looks like he's been playing for this team for years. It, it's he stepped yes. right in, and he, it's like he's everybody's best friend all of a sudden. And uh, it great. He's such such a great interview. He looks like he's just such a, a, a really joyous dude. I'm I I was all about getting him in this in this off season. I'm glad the Braves finally got him, even if just for a little bit. I just want um, to talk to him so I can talk I'm, to him about that karate slide. What, what that was, was that? scary. <laughs> that was, um, you've watched a lot of baseball. Your son plays at, uh, I'm going to see if I can get it right this time, Saginaw Valley, right? 
Saginaw Valley State University. Yes, got it that time. Um, he plays there. So you've seen a lot of slides in your day. I've said I said this to somebody like right after it happened. I'm fairly confident that I've legitimately seen like ten year olds make better slides than that. Honestly, I do not know what that was. I would not have been shocked if you hear the auto. He's like, he ya. <laughs> Props to whoever photoshopped that into a, a screen cap of Mortal Kombat of Cervelli finishing somebody. That was good. I like clever. I didn't anyway. see that. I, I think that guy has me blocked. No. Oh. Well, that that's a true shame. Uh, you should just be able to go to Jeff Donahue's page. He's probably got 10,000 of those up by now. Shout out to Jeff. Uh, but, Doc, I rudely interrupted you to talk about Francisco Cervelli's handsomeness and his karate slide. Um, who would you rather face between the Cardinals and the Cubs, and why? Uh, yeah, uh, probably the Cubs, just because the Cardinals are kind of – the Cardinals have this Mets thing going on right now where they're not, like, really – beating anybody that's major but they are they're taking care of business they're winning when they should and the the cubs were they're so hyped they're like the titanic it's like they're too big to sink and they they're getting cold at the at the right time i guess so i don't it's it's hard to say for right now i think i'd probably rather face the cubs and almost because i i think it's uh it would be nice to win a series with somebody hitting a home run off of kimbrel to shut up all the people that were like the Braves need to sign Kimball. And God, I, I was one of them. But then when he signed, then you know that that was the end of it. Um, but I, I think that uh, I think I would, I think I'd probably rather face the Cubs because the Cardinals are kind of on a roll right now. And Paul Goldschmidt, even if he's had a very up and down season, that dude is terrifying. And um, Marcelo Zuna and. Paul DeJong, I mean, they've got some really good pieces. Dexter Fowler is, uh, is like, he's finally playing like he's worthy of some of his contract. He's not only hitting 185 this year. So I'm going to go with Cubs for right now. And uh, ideally, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but ideally the Nationals will win the wild card and then face off the Dodgers. Because I think the Nationals could beat the Dodgers, and I think the Braves could beat the Nationals on the way to a World Series. I genuinely think that Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, and Patrick Corbin is like, that's serious business, even even for the Dodgers. And it would be serious for the Braves, too. But um, we talked in the first segment about how the Braves played their level of competition. And Scherzer's terrifying. I've said it a thousand times. If I was going to start a franchise with any pitcher, Scherzer would be my guy. And um, so ideally, it will... God, I can't believe I'm saying Braves Nationals in the NLCS, but uh, but yeah, on our way to winning a World Series. Okay, okay. I, I'm feel, I can't I'm believe you. you said that either. It's it felt dirty coming out. I I can't uh, I can't lie. That was that was not my favorite moment. So <laughs> when the time comes to edit, uh, Dylan, can you condense my response right. a little bit? Well, if it makes you feel better, I think I'm with you on the Cubs, but I'm gonna make this shorter and sweeter than how you said it. Um, the Cardinals have a better lineup than the Cubs. They're they've got about four or five deep. The Cubs have like three or four good hitters, three really, and uh, not not a lot of great pitching. And their bullpen absolutely sucks. So I'd rather face the Cubs. Plus, I'd rather put a dagger in their hearts uh, than the Cardinals. Even though I hate the Cardinals, the Cubs deserve a, a little stab and twist in there. Um, and I kind of agree. I think if you had Washington or New York face off against the Dodgers. 
either one of those teams theoretically could get hot and beat New York and beat LA, or at the very least make life tough enough for them that that they drag out a series. I kind of want LA to play the Braves because like I I want to step on their face. Like I want to tie cob their face and and just just grind them down and kind of spit on the corpse a little bit. Uh and and, and just I want to beat the best to get there, and so no Dodger fan can tell me in the offseason, oh, well, you didn't have to play us. I, I, I want to take that from them. I really do. That's because you lost so you're both you going to with the Cubs? What? I'm going, yeah, going Cubs. I'm going, you're going Cubs? I'm going Cubs. Okay. You know, I think I'll go Cubs, too, if I had to choose, only because the Cardinals have a couple of dudes that for whatever freaking reason, destroy us. Um, Carpenter, I don't know why we can't get that guy out. Um, I don't even know if he's still alive. Colton Wong, you freaking right. destroy us. Yeah. Yeah, what weak little guy in so, okay. playing the I'm Braves. So, yeah. so we're, we're all agreed. It's unanimous. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about the Braves. Now, we don't want to get too much into too much into this because we do have a fun extra innings coming up. So I'm going to kind of lay this down to the final question here. And this is going to be for, for you two to start off with. Terry, you start. Who's been your biggest surprise for the Braves this year? Who has been my biggest surprise? Who? What single player? Oh, man. Um, I would probably say... Dancy, honestly, um, just because I don't know. I, like I've always known the kid is good. Like I was a fan of his when he played for Vandy, because being a Razorbacks fan, or if I'm a Razorbacks fan, I was sort of in deep with the SEC baseball and all that stuff. I have been my whole life, so I like I go way back with Dancy too. And I've always known he's been really good, but you know, really good in college doesn't always translate to really good in the big league. He's had his ups and downs, literally. His, played major league ball got sent back down but um it really sucks that he got hurt acuna everyone knows acuna is good um i i I don't i can't say that i saw a 30 30 and a possibly 40 40 coming from him this this year his what 21 year old you know season um I would i think i would go with dancy honestly i think he's a huge reason for being where we are right now, uh, Freddie's always going to deliver, you know, no matter what. Um, yeah, that's what I'm going to, I'm going to go with Dan's. Doc? That was my first thought as well. Um, I think we, we all knew that he had a level of talent that he hadn't tapped into yet, but, um, the injuries have, have been, been the biggest thing with him. But the more I think about it, I think I'm more surprised by Julio just because he – you look past the August, you you look past some of the, the, the way that he's pitched the last two years. I mean, he's had 16 different starts where he had zero or one earned runs allowed. I mean, that is elite-level stuff. And he doesn't always pitch like an elite-level guy. You saw that game where he completely crapped the bet against the Mets. Uh, he just – he's – I have a soft spot for Julio and, and it broke my heart to see in the last two years, like when his velo fell and he basically had to 
relearn how to pitch. The fact that he worked with Anibal Sanchez last year was huge for him. And now you're, you're really seeing it. And, and granted a lot of his success has been against the Marlins, but he he's had, he's just been such a joy to go out and watch again. It's like, he's smiling again. And he's, he's got that killer instinct again, where at any second Julio, it's like, he's going to pull a dagger out of his pocket and be like, Oh my God, this guy's ready to go. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it's Julio for me. What about you, Dylan Short? By rights, I should probably say Dansby because I I don't know if, if you guys have realized this, but um, I wasn't always a Dansby supporter per se. <laughs> That's the first I've heard of it. <laughs> Some might have called me a hater. Um, so I, I could say Dansby. I could say Julio too uh, as I feel like Doc is just trying to kiss up to Tara a little bit and try to win the week because he knows Tara's a, a Julio fan. Um, you know what? I'm going to do the right thing here. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Dansby. Um, I did Doc. You say everybody thought he had that level of talent. I did not. Um, I thought he was overrated, and I thought he was a little too stubborn to make the changes that he needed to make. Uh, but he came into this year making a ton of changes, not just making changes, but having instant success with those changes and being diligent enough to stick with them, even when the results weren't always bearing out uh, w- with the progress which we know as, as baseball fans that you can't always mark progress in the stat sheet column or, or in the box score. And for him to stick through that and, and to completely kind of turn around his player profile, even if you know he, he's not – I still don't think he's that 300, you know, 20 homer type of guy. But what he's been able to do this year while playing very solid defense and to make very few errors, it's been very impressive for Dansby. And I'm going to give him some love. I'm, I'm going to say Dansby's my most surprising player. I appreciate that, Dylan Short, but let me just back up one second. Uh, if, if anyone follows me on Twitter, you know I stand Julio Tehran. That is my little peanut. That is my Colombian Jesus. That is my boo, honey. From day one. <laughs> Dylan, Dylan, I know you knew this was coming. I told you I was going to find a way to work Julio into this conversation. <laughs> I just want to thank Doc for recognizing that Julio is the god that he is. Thank you, sir. He's only doing that because he knew you would pick his side. I have no idea. (laughs) But since we're here, you can go ahead and chalk that up in the point for for Doc column when you're scoring for this week. Um, But no, I mean, he's been – I didn't realize it was like – I knew you liked Julio, but I didn't realize it was like that. But, I mean, he's – Come on, man! Y'all, y'all watching pitch the past couple of years? I remember, I remember it, we, he was topping out at eighty-six in the third inning of a game against the Padres last year. Like that—that that dude deserves some recognition, and not just because I'm trying to win the week. No, I am actually very well, impressed with what he's done. I appreciate you, Tom. And I yeah, think it's—I think it's a good mark for Rick Kranitz, by the way, when you look at what Julio's been able to do this year, in particular with his slider, the way he's been able to kind of carve up hitters despite really bad. Uh, secondary, like peripheral stats, he's been really, really able to outpitch his particular skill set at this point because he's he's attacked hitters in a very smart way. Whether or not you like that he walks a lot of people, Chip thinks every walk that he gives is by design. Uh, that is not true, but there are a lot of walks that that he gives up because he's not going to let that person blast him. He's going to take his chances with the next person. Uh, so there there is a large hat tip to Julio Tehran, and anybody that is disappointed in his season hasn't watched him enough or, or really 
considered him enough uh, for for what he's working with at this point. I think they're still judging him off of the 2012-2013 when he was the number one prospect in baseball, and they're still kind of judging his career based on that and not on what you're getting now. But we have expounded enough on that. We're going to get to the segment that I know you guys are all waiting for. It's time, Tara. Are you ready for extra innings? I don't know. Am I? I think you should be. I am. Let's go. All right, Doc. You wrote this one up, so you start up. You start off with this. All right. All right. All right. So we have uh, five questions, and then we'll turn it over to story time. Tara, you have uh, done this before, so you know how it works. Uh, we'll go Tara first, then Dylan, then uh, then kick it back to me for mine. Uh, number one, extra innings. Tara, what is your favorite misunderstood song lyric? Oh, my heavens. There are so many. <laughs> there are so many. Uh, I listen to uh, music all day, every day. Uh, oh, my gosh. Did you have to start me off with such a hard one, Doc? I'm sorry. It's it's harder to... Uh, it, it's easy when you're in the moment, but I know it's it's harder to uh, to come up with one just kind of on the fly. We can kick it over to Dylan for a second, since uh, since you've had he's had the opportunity to think of one. Yeah, we can and come back to you if you like. I think mine's the most famous one, uh, "Blinded by the Light" by Manfred Mann. Uh, <laughs> Manfred Mann, Earth Band, I should say. "Blinded by the Light" revved up like a deuce. Another runner in the night. I would bet you ninety nine percent of people do not think that it is revved up like a deuce. Thank you. Don't lie and say that you don't say that every time that song comes on or you are a liar. Every single time I sing the word douche. Every time. And it's wrapped up like a douche, another loner in the night. Every single time. (laughs) Oh, my God. Bruce Springsteen wrote that song for the record. I think think that was like his his first number one uh, song that he ever wrote was uh, a song that he did not actually wind up performing. A little piece of trivia. Just throwing that out there. Okay. What about you, Doc? You're going to pick some obscure indie folk rock jam band song? Well, I mean, the, it's easy to, to look at like Kiss, you know, I want to rock and roll uh, all night and part of every day. Or, um, you know, Jimi Hendrix, excuse me while I kiss this guy. Um, but the first one that comes to mind is like, um, you know, I'm a huge. Chris Cornell fan, love Soundgarden, love Audio Slave. The lyric is diving into a sea of hands from Original Fire, but uh, it was ruined for me by somebody informing me it sounds like diving into a sea of ham. Um, <laughs> I have never uh, dived or dove. Dive, dove? I've never dove into a sea of ham. I don't even know what that would be like. So I'm going with uh, Original Fire by Audio Slave. Uh, Tara, I, I have. I have done my best to stall for you on this one. We we got to call in your answer on this one. I have to go with Dylan. I have to agree with Dylan. I I it, it, I don't know. Am I taking the easy way out? I literally my mind is completely blank. However, I would dive into a sea of ham. I would head first. I mean the the hard part is just finding the sea of ham in the first place. I think so. Um, I could make di- my own. The diving part is easy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Awesome. 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 So number two, extra innings. Tara, what is the most pointless thing you have ambition to do? That I have ambition to do? 
Yeah. What is the most pointless thing that you are really passionate about doing before you, before you die? Um, I think there's two and they're just, I don't know if it's vanity. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I want to get to 5,000, uh, Twitter followers, 5,000 Twitter followers. Is that too much to ask? It's totally pointless. Uh, follower numbers do not matter. I don't, I don't care. I want 5k. Is that vanity? Am I vain? I don't think so. I mean, I'll tell you what, I've, you know, the fiasco of my account just having been shut down this week and everything, I lost I lost a lot. It matters <laughs> it matters more than it should. So uh Okay, so it does. Okay. So I get it. I, I get it. No. Well you said there's two. What's the second one? Oh, and the other one sorta of, sorta of, um along the same lines. I have a Facebook group. Um it's a closed group. You have to be uh, you have to ask to join the group and it's for my uh my polish. Shout out to Gracie would polish bleacher creatures on Facebook. I, my goal, my goal for the beginning of 2019 was to grow my group to 500 members. 500, super simple, right? Nope, I'm barely at like 300, and time's running out in 2019. So, so I, I guess that's my second one. My first one, I want 5K followers on Twitter because I'm vain, and I would love for my Facebook group to, to reach 500 members. And it, again, it's pointless numbers pointless but there you go there's my answers hmm. we y'all heard it y'all go try it y'all go join the the braves diva polish group don't short Do it. okay this is like this i'm almost embarrassed to say this is the dumbest thing ever that like i'm obsessed with doing i want to punch a bee in the face as it is coming to sting me like Every time I see like a hornet or a wasp outside and they come around and they buzz me, my first thought every time is I'm going to punch this dude in the face. And I I have punched I have punched a bee in the face before, but it was not on purpose. I just threw out a punch and somehow hit a bee and it died. And it was awesome. Now I want to do it like on purpose. Like it's coming at me and I just want to punch it head on and like Smash the B with the punch. And I'm not sure if it's ever going to happen. You asked for the most pointless thing. The, the, there's no doubt in my mind this is the most pointless ambition for any person to have. But I want to do it. I see. Wow. Oh, man. No, that's. Uh... <laughs> did you really punch a B and it died? Yes, I did. And it was one of the. If I'm being totally honest, it's the top 10 moment of my life. <laughs> wow. Wow, that's so... Dylan. Listen, I don't yes. think you understand. There were people around who saw this happen. And the level of like awe that went around, this was during a baseball tournament actually. The level of awe that kind of permeated my team and the people in the stands around me. You want to talk about Vane? Uh, I had my chest puffed out for like that entire game. Because you punched a bee dead in its face. Yes, dead in its face as he's flying. And I punched it in the face and it died. It was pretty incredible, okay? Okay, okay hey, I wish I had that. I mean, if it's, that's, yeah, okay. No, that's that's fair. I mean, if, if it's if it's top 10 moment of your life, I am hoping for the It might not actually be top 10, okay? I'm allowed to be a little bit hyperbolic, okay? Look, all I'm saying is I hope it's in the back half of the top 10. <laughs> that's all I'm saying, man. <laughs> Bunch of haters who've never punched a beat at death. I'm, I've, I've, 
Yeah, I, I got to move on from the bee thing. I'm going to stick my <laughs> foot in my mouth. Probably to grow my hair. Um, like I've, I, my brother um, has just my brother looks kind of intimidating because he's got like the, the sleeve tattoos and a really big beard, and he's got super super long hair. Like he got uh, he got diagnosed with lymphoma back in 2012, and he beat it. He everything's cool. He's he's in remission and everything. But he was I remember him telling me he's like, dude. I don't care about the fact that I have cancer. I don't care. What I care about is the fact that I have to cut my hair. And I have been working on this for years and years and years. And now everything's cool. He's got, he's got his hair grown back out. My dad is almost 70 years old. And he decided that he wanted to just grow his hair out because he was a rocker from like the 60s and 70s. So he's got the long, luscious locks. And I'm over here with my nice, tidy little do, whatever. Every six weeks I go and get it cut. Like I can't stand having my, my hair in my ears. And I'm like, one day, one day I'm going to do this. And it doesn't matter because my, my hair doesn't grow down. It grows out. It's like I'm going to look like Screech, which is like my, my biggest fear. But, but I don't know. So for, for me, it's, it's growing my hair, but I, I did start growing, growing my beard out. So that's like, um, I'm halfway there. I'm halfway there. Speaking of hair, Dylan, what's the update on the gray chest hair? Uh, okay. I regret, yes, I found one more today. Um, I'm having to give the fight a little bit that after that debacle, there were several that peppered my beard. Um, I was telling Doc before the show that I actually found a gray, like not even gray, like pure white nose hair. And oh boy, I don't want to alarm anybody, but I might be dead before the next episode. At this rate, I'm going to age like those people at the Ark of the Covenant where they just kind of melt uh, and they just kind of melt away and turn to bones. Or if you've ever seen the mummy where like he just sucks the life out of them, that might be happening to me. I might be dead by next week. You did say last week, basically, and I quote, basically, I'm dying. It might have been pretty prophetic. Yeah. yeah, I get great eyebrow hairs. Okay, anyway, carry on. My bad. Oh, you're all good, Dylan. Before you, um, before you die, you're going to have to teach me how to edit episodes, man. I'm really behind the curve on all that. I've got a lot of stuff uh, I have to do. There's there's a lot of people that are going to get some... some um, some how I feel about you letters. <laughs> Don't mail them until you're on your deathbed. You might wind up regretting all of that. Um, okay. So, uh, number three, Tara, in 1989 or possibly 1988, the film who framed Roger rabbit was released. I know this because I saw it in the theater. If you could frame a cartoon character, who would it be? Elmer Fudd. That's a great answer. I, I just don't like his face. <laughs> he, uh, he's just like a rube. We, uh, we went and we did, um, down at the, the Fox theater down in Atlanta, they'll do like Saturday morning cartoons. And, uh, we went down there with, uh, it was me and Valerie and our friends, Tiffany and Steven. Hey Steven, I know you're listening. Um, and there were a couple like Bugs Bunny, Elmer Fudd ones. And I just, this was, I think this was this month. And it just reiterated, I also hate Elmer Fudd very, very much. Yes. I'm not alone. Wow. Okay. Yeah. What about you, Dylan? Who would you frame? Uh, probably Jerry the Mouse. 
needs to be taken down a peg. A little cocky. A little cocky. Dylan. He's a little, no, little too that. little too big for his britches, okay? I'm not I'm not saying that it has to be bad, bad, but you know, if I can take him down for a little bit and you know, maybe frame him for a little misdemeanor, he needs to be taken down a notch. It's not listen, it's not his fault that he's smarter than Tom. No, but he just kind of lords it over him. Like at some point, man, you just kind of you know give it up a little bit. Like at what point is that game no longer fun? Well, you're looking at years of possible possible assault charges too. I mean, it's like itchy and scratchy with those two. They've been at it since like the forties. <laughs> what I'm saying. Uh, those are both those are good answers though. I like those. I it's probably Tweety Bird for me. That that was another thing that like that actually um when we went down to do the cartoons, that that's what uh where this question actually came from. And uh Elmer Fudd and Tweety Bird, like I'm just like some that it's that voice. It, there's just something so unnerving about that. I got a weird thing about people's voices. Like I had that article that came out for Talking Shop this week, and I was basically saying like Bobcat Goldthwait, Gilbert Gottfried need to become guest announcers for the the World Series. Um, I get this weird thing about people's voices, and I, I just something about Tweety Bird just drives me up a freaking wall. And it's probably the same thing with Elmer Fudd too. Like Jerry didn't talk. He's just a dick. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, Doc, I, 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 I get it. Scared. Yeah, Doc and I are on the same wavelength here. I don't know whether to be proud or frightened, but I'm with you. Good. Good, good. All right. Are we are we good? Do we any any honorable mentions? Anybody like have a have a real anybody got a any beef with Daffy Duck? Yeah, we'll do a second segment. Angelica Pickles, maybe. You know, if we're going to get into some 90s cartoons, my age group. Donatello, that dude's getting framed. He's a nerd. He needs to harden up, so I, I got to help him out. You do have a deep thing against Donatello, but he wasn't always in, in cartoon form. Okay, and cool. Corey Feldman played him. That's the coolest Donatello's ever been. That does say a lot. I, I've never seen one episode of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, no. But I'm old, y'all. Like, I'm a dinosaur. I'm ancient. Did you see the live-action movies? Hell no. Ugh. I'm trying to watch some turtles. Hell no. <sighs> Miss me with the turtles. I remember That's being awesome. a latchkey kid. We went to go see, like, the uh, the one from, like, the early 90s. It might have been yes. 19. It was, it was right around the same time that Who Framed Roger Rabbit came out. Yes, Going the originals, yeah. the real movies. Those were the best ever. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. And I, I suppose that's a, Whatever, yeah. whatever. Let's move on. All right, all right, fine. Number four. Uh, what, what is a smell that you think you enjoy more than a lot of other people? A smell that I enjoy more than a lot of other people. Um, when it comes to like things that probably shouldn't be enjoyable, but they are to me, um, gasoline is high on the list. You just took um, mine. I was, I was for real about to say that. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Uh, turpentine is another one because my uh, dear departed Mimi was an artist. And so turp- turpentine just takes me back to her shop that she owned. She taught classes and all that kind of stuff, art classes. 
uh, turpentine's another one. Chlorine, you know, sort of reminds me of like swimming pool, that kind of thing. When it comes to food, garlic and onions can't go wrong. Um, I think my top would be gasoline. I, I think I have Sorry, to agree. No gasoline or uh, acetone. I've got a weird, or even like, um, uh, like rubbing alcohol for whatever weird reason. Like I love the smell of rubbing alcohol. Very odd. I'm, I got I you think... covered in acetone. <laughs> I appreciate it. If I got a hookup now, <laughs> I, I think I'm with you guys on on gasoline. I, I, it doesn't doesn't really bother me. Uh, I, I don't know how much it. Um, necessarily bothers other people but i i just I, I don't mind the smell of um paint drying i know that like the room that i'm sitting in right now it's it's very tiny and it doesn't breathe much and it took like after i painted it it probably took two three weeks for the smell to go away so there's a a couple of uh episodes probably in the in the early going where i just sounded like super high on paint fumes and it's because i was um <laughs> so um, so yeah, uh, the smell of paint and I actually, you brought up garlic and onions. Like I, I would have a, an air freshener in my car that was sauteing garlic if that was socially acceptable. Yes. But, but like, you know, I don't know what the, what the weather's like up there, but down here it's still like in the nineties. So you just get in the car and just get hit in the face with, uh, with the smell of sauteed garlic, like Dylan punching a bee. Um, <laughs> It's a lot, a lot to deal with. July is a very Italian month, but I love it. I'm with you though because I love wax, like um, vendor wax, like little wax cubes that you put in your wax warmer. And I have actually reached out to a few of my favorite wax vendors and asked if they could give me like a garlic, onion, and celery blend. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> I could smell that throughout my house all day, every day. I love it. Yeah, it's it's a very comforting smell. I'm with you on that. All right, so this this next one, uh, number five, this is the last one before we get to the question that, that we like to ask everybody. This is one that we've asked on here, and I I hope my answer is the same now as it was once because people love to play the game. Gotcha. Uh, number five is if you could transport yourself to any time and place in history, what would it be? Where would you go? I would probably go back to the 20s. Um, not like the depression. Like, I don't want to be, you know, like poor and hungry, um, in the 1920s, but, you know, sort of like, the, or maybe even the thirties or forties, like, um, the flapper era, um, old, old, old school baseball, like old school baseball, um, I think that's where I would want to go. Um, I, I, I would not want to do maybe the nineties all over again. Um, I don't know. That was a, an odd decade for me, <sighs> but yeah, like I, I would take it way back. I think. Yeah. Thirties, forties. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. I think, I think the forties would, would, um, yeah, aside from the depression and, and prohibition and all of that, there there was a lot of uh, right. you know. And this greatest. thing called World War Two. Well, that was okay. So the thirties really do appear to kind of be the sweet spot here. You the can Roaring Twenties. You know. The thirties was the depression. Twenties, it is. <laughs> Dylan, 
That was my answer, okay? Stop hijacking my answer. I'm just trying to get things socially acceptable here. Uh, you don't want to go back into World War II. That's probably a no-no, uh, unless you're trying to meet Captain America. Okay. What about you, Dylan? Where, where, do you remember what your answer was? I think that this was, uh, I think that this was when we had Prospects Braves on. That we might have, we like might have asked him this. Our second episode ever, or third episode ever. It was, um, it was in the, the very front. Yeah, I don't know what my answer was then, but I'm gonna say, you know what? I'm gonna say like 1910. Not for the reason that you guys think. This is gonna be for a very selfish and very vain reason. Uh, I'm gonna go back there with all I know about baseball today, and I'm going to become the greatest player ever. People are going to never know who Babe Ruth is, and they're going to be arguing that I'm better than Mike Trout because I'm going to hit like 5,000 homers in a season. That's a lot of damn homers. I'm going to have things like, hey, guys, guess what? Don't play drunk. Or, uh, hey, guys, you know where uh, we just kind of roll up here? No, nah, let's let's try stretching first. I'm going to be dynamite. <laughs> So instead of like the the Honus Wagner card that's worth several million dollars, I can own like a, a 1910 Dylan Short rookie card. Right. I will strike out Ty Cobb on three pitches. Ooh, that is baller status. I like it. None of them would have ever known what a slider was. They'll think that I'm a witch. They might burn me at the stake, but I'm going to make a mark. Dylan, you, know? you, have been, you have been saucy and aggressive the last two weeks. I got very little sleep last night, so you're you're getting full force, Dylan, today. You were bad last week too. I, I disagree. I was pretty nice last week. I, I thought you wanted to you wanted to hit someone in the face with a baseball after the whole Ronald Acuna thing. They deserved it. I didn't say the face. Okay. I said anywhere but the face. Yes, I said, you did. I even wrote it down. I wrote it down. I said not I the face. For the show again. Maybe somebody punched. Maybe second pun. time this week, I did my scorecard. I took, I wrote down quotes. Maybe punch in the face, but not hit in the face with a baseball. No. You what? said Chris, you wanted Chris Martin to hit someone in the face with a baseball. I don't think so. I'm going to have to re-listen to that. That seems like libel to me. Okay, I don't want to derail anymore. Carry on. <laughs> is, is my favorite question coming up? It sure is. Uh, and I'm going to hijack Doc's answer because I'm tired of him getting all the love here. Um Tell us an embarrassing story from your childhood, Tara, and then, Doc, you think of one because I know you've got more. It seems like I've got – I do. Good, 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 because I'm tired of having 10,000 stories of myself. Embarrassing story from my childhood. Probably the one I remember the most because it was probably the most embarrassing. When I was was really little, when I was small, I was terrified of water. So I didn't learn how to swim until I was – I want to say seven – so my mama took me to uh, Creekmore Park in Fort Smith, Arkansas. Any of my Fort Smithians out there listening, shout out. There was a public swimming pool at Creekmore Park. And my mama took me after work one day to try to get me used to the water. And, you know, we're in this humongous Olympic-sized swimming pool. And we're in the shallow end. And the lifeguard, now I'm seven years old, but I thought the lifeguard was so dreamy. And I was giggly. And I was, like, just embarrassed. And so I clung to my mama like a spider monkey because I did not want her to put me in the water. But I was like, you know what? Here is this, I don't know, 19-year-old kid (laughs) 
I'm really, I'm seven years old trying to impress this 19 year old kid. And I went to get out of the swimming pool, like push myself up with my hands off the side on the side of the pool to like get out onto the concrete pool deck. My bikini bottom, whoop, I went up, did <laughs> not move. My little naked seven-year-old behind, I was mortified. And my mama was like, what's the big deal? Like, you saw your butt cheek. And I was like, oh, my God. I was devastated. I was like, we going home right now, woman. Pack the towels. We out of here. That, that was my most <laughs> horrifying childhood story. Yep, the hot uh, lifeguard saw my seven-year-old butt at the public swimming pool. <laughs> That's a good one. That is, yeah, that is a, that is a really good one. That is a good one. I have not ever had anything like that happen to me. Oh boy. What about you, doc? Let's, let's hear some new doc. You go oh, next. Doc? I want to hear some new stuff. Okay. Um, I'm, when I was in kindergarten, I am nearly positive that I ralphed all over some kid's backpack. Um, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I've ever told the story on here before. I actually have have another uh, another embarrassing story in reserve. I got everything was so awkward for me um, growing up. But yeah, I, it was just one of those things that was like right after nap time or whatever. I'm like I'm not feeling well, and they they had that little back room like with the hooks and everything where everybody would hang their backpacks and everything. And I don't know if I was already standing in there or if I just decided I was going to walk back there and I just vomited all over this kid's belonging, that poor kid. And, uh, I don't know if like an apology was ever issued or what, you know, it's been at this point, 30, 32 years since this happened, 31, 32 years. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I think about it more often than I, than I probably should, but yeah, totally, (laughs) totally vomed all over some other kid's stuff. I also Doc, was, you have a platform to apologize to him right now. I don't even know what the kid's name was. But how about this? If you went to um, Burton Grove Elementary School in Eden, North Carolina, and around about 1987, 1988, and some kid puked all over your stuff, he's real sorry. He's, <laughs> there you go. There you go. See, I don't you feel better. I do. I do. This is like an interesting form of therapy. Um and the, I also, I was on a, uh, I was on a bicycle going downhill once upon a time. And this is right around the time I was trying to learn. And, uh, I looked over at my dad who had, you know, stopped with the, you know, training wheels were off the bike and he's standing over in the yard and, um, watching me just, you know, maiden voyage by myself. And I don't know why we chose a hill for this particular thing, but I looked over at him and I was so excited. I was like, dad i'm doing really great or whatever i looked up just in time to slam face first into jason wheelie's mailbox the uh the bike kept going and my body like swung up underneath it like i'm pretty sure that my uh my knees hit the other side of the mailbox and knocked me off um oh my gosh i like i hit so hard i'm t- like i i was hauling ass i'm telling i was like I, like I said, I don't know why the hill was involved. I don't know how I was able to get up so much speed without the help of the hill. But um, yeah, yeah, I'm knocked something loose that day. The fact that I'm very different now has nothing to do with the fact that I was like, you know, six when this happened or whatever. Um, and I'm like in my late thirties now. But I that changed me. That whole moment changed me. So did, did your dad come running after you, like, oh son, my poor son, and like scoop you up? 
Well, I'm sure he did, but in my image, he just was laughing so hard in the yard. He just like doubled over with laughter and, and eventually came in and peeled me off of the mailbox. You know what? I think I, I owe the wheelies an apology, too, because I don't think I ever apologized for that either, that I put like an actual face print in the, in the side of their mailbox. It didn't fall over, though. That was really good concrete. Uh, wow. So I'm using my platform to apologize to you guys as well. I don't know the parents' names. Jason, Troy, if you guys are listening, real sorry about that. <laughs> sorry about your luck. Sorry about your mail. Sorry that the mailman had to deliver to the front door over the next couple of weeks. Dylan, I told two two stories, man. You got to tell one. Let's and you can't see. tell about well, the one where you peed on the electric fence again. <laughs> no, I can't tell that one again. Did I tell the one about how I accidentally got child protective services called on my dad? Tell it anyway. <laughs> That's a good one. Did I have I told it already? I don't remember. I haven't heard it. Okay. All right. So I had a couple nicknames around the old ball field growing up. Um, there was Hot Dog. There was Hollywood. There was Sugar Plum. Um, and these things all carried certain things in common. They were that I liked to make very flashy plays. I loved to make diving plays. I loved to make 360 spins and throws. I loved to do this. And I practiced these every day, every single day out in the yard with my old man. Um, I was in first grade, I think, first or second grade when this happened. We're out playing catch in the yard. And me and my old man are throwing, and he never treated me like a baby. Like, he'd actually throw the ball to me, none of that, like, underhand soft-tossing crap. Uh, actually learned how to throw and catch young. So we're humming it back and forth, and I'm doing one of these drills where uh, you catch, and um, Tara, you would know this one. I'm sure your son do, did this all the time growing up, uh, where you catch with your feet. Like, you jump as you're catching your feet into a throwing position to just catch and release quickly and speed it up. Well, I was doing this. Yeah. So I started moving on and getting a little bit cocky, um, having dad throw things harder and harder to me and, and make me move. Uh, and I started running my mouth a little bit, you know, like, yeah, is that all you got? Or, oh, man, that's too easy. So he throws one to me. I, uh, I pick it, which is pretty good. 360 spin, launch it, and actually go like, yeah, as I throw it. It hits a tree, bounces back, hits me dead in the eye. Like, boom, boom. Knocks me on my back. My dad is busting out laughing. Uh, not not checking to see if I'm okay. I was fine. Uh, had I've been punched in the face before. Um, this was the greatest black eye I've ever had. Like it was perfectly round, like just a deep purple, just a big old black eye. So I go to school the next day, you know, and I'm you know walking around like normal. Oh, no big deal. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, I find out later that the gym coach who had asked me if I was okay, it's like, yeah, no, I'm fine. What? Where did that happen? Oh, yeah, it happened at home. Um, apparently, that was the wrong thing to say because I later, I yep. later found out that um, he called CPS on, or he uh, called my father in to talk to him, um, thinking that my father was beating me, um, and it nearly got my dad arrested. For one, either beating me or two, beating this poor gym teacher that thought he was helping out a first grade student um, who was an idiot and hit himself in the face off a rebound from a tree. <laughs> wow. Oh, dude, you're you're about the only person I know that could have swung something like that. 
I I don't ask me why I know these things, but there are far too many embarrassing stories in my Rolodex. There is one other one that I'm not sure if I've told. Um, maybe I'll save it for next week because we're already at an hour for, for this segment. So I'll save that one for next week if I haven't told you guys already. So that'll be fun. Uh, but for all of those who have made it all the way through the end of Extra Innings, thank you guys so much for listening this week. Thank you guys for all of you who have uh, donated your time or extra to the show. And Tara, thank you so much for coming on the show and spending an hour with us this week. Well, thank you for having me. I do have two two little tiny tidbits that I'd like to throw out there to plug if I can. You absolutely can. September 6th and 7th, I am making my maiden voyage to SunTrust Park. I will be in the house driving all the way from Michigan to Atlanta. I'm going to be getting into town on September the 5th. We're staying at the Omni. I'll be right there on the site uh, for the national series. So maybe Thursday night, which is September the 5th. If anybody's going to be around, I can pop down. I'll let you buy me a beer. And then I'll be at the games on September 6th and 7th. If you, uh, if you're around, look me up. Like I said, I'll let you buy me a beer or three. I hope to see you at SunTrust Park. My second little tidbit, beginning September the 1st, for the entire month of September, I will have a fundraiser polish available at BraveDoodlePolish.com called Angels Among Us. 50% of all proceeds will be donated to the National Hospice Foundation. National Hospice Foundation is very, very important to me. we have used hospice services in the past for family members, so I am launching a fundraiser polish. Half of the proceeds are going to the National Hospice Foundation. Thank you guys so much for having me on and letting me sort of plug away here and there. I have had a wonderful time with both of you, so thank you guys so much. It is always a blast here on the Platinum Sombrero. Doc, thank you, sir, for all that you do. Hey. <laughs> I'm certainly glad to do it, buddy. Thank you for uh, enduring me reading the Blue Chew ad in segment one. Certainly appreciate it. I thought you. it was amazing. Uh, yeah, passing the passing the torch on that one. And uh, yeah, Tara, thank you so much for for coming on. Had a had a wonderful time. Great answers throughout. We really appreciate it. I appreciate all your support. We really do. And uh, Dylan, I will see you tomorrow, buddy. Absolutely. We're going to learn some new tricks tomorrow. We're going to teach an old dog new tricks. For the rest of you guys, thank you guys so much. We'll be back next week right here on the Platinum Sombrero. Thanks, bye. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.